0: We're doing a series that we're, we're calling Stained Glass. And this series is really about our emotional and mental health. You see, oftentimes churches work really hard to improve their, their members' spiritual health, and that's a good thing. We need it, right? Right, we do. We need it. But we, we've got to recognize that a lot of the issues, a lot of the things that we struggle with in life... Our wounds in our souls. You see, I believe that the Bible teaches we are three-part beings. We are a spirit, we live in a body, but we possess a soul. Now here's the awesome thing, our spirits are born again or regenerated at the moment we meet Jesus Christ, and one day in heaven we're going to get brand new glorified bodies. How many looking forward to a new house to live in, Right? But what do we do in the meantime? Right? Spirit's born again. One day we're getting a a new uh, body. But in the meantime, our soul has to go through something we might call Bible word sanctification. The process of sanctification is making us more like Jesus. And, And you and I, here's what I know about us. We've got some wounds, some brokenness in our soul. And we can come to church every week, we can lift our hands and worship, we can cry genuine tears and memorize scripture, but if we don't deal with our soul issues, we'll be spiritual giants and emotionally immature simultaneously at the very same time. And and figure out and, and then we're sitting there figuring out how come I don't have any victory in my life. This is why a woman can come to church. She can, she can have an awesome experience, be genuinely touched by the presence of God, and 20 minutes later at Denny's, act like Satan's sister because somebody said something to offend her. You know I'm preaching good already. I'm two minutes in. What's the deal? Some, someone said, well, she's a hypocrite. No. No, let me, let me just suggest this. She's not a hypocrite. She's wounded. And hurting people hurt people. So he can take a brother and he can come and he can, he can be on our, you know, our safety team and, and he, can, you know, he can be lifting his hands and he can be worshiping and, and he can be leading a men's Bible study. But you get him in the car and a little bit of traffic out there and all of a sudden he blows up at his wife and his kids before he has ever left the church parking lot. Don't look at me so religious and act like it's never happened to you. He's not a hypocrite. He's in pain. And he doesn't know how to handle it. So his pain gets expressed through anger. Now listen, I'm not making excuses for our sinful behavior. But what I am saying is sometimes our sin is a result of our soul. Sometimes it's a soul Issue. We're complex beings. And if we don't take the time to work on our souls, we will repeat cycles for the rest of our lives. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of walking around pretending everything's all right when it ain't all right. I know not everybody is going to go on this journey with us over the next few weeks, but this morning I'm looking for some people who are tired of pretending. I'm looking for some people who are willing to do the deep work to be truly healed from our past. Is there anybody listening this morning and say, Pastor, I'm willing to be honest. I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to do whatever i got to do because I want to stop pretending so I can finally get some wholeness in my soul. If that's you this morning, say, that's me. Four of you. Four of you. The rest of you are going to stay bound up, addicted, uh, uh, miserable, and driving your family crazy. But the four of us jump on the bus because we are going on a journey to get a hold of the hem of his garment, letting the blood of Jesus wash over us and heal our souls. Now it's eight of you. Man. Brokenness. It's the common denominator of the human experience. And what makes the wounds go so deep is they often originate in what should be our safest place, and that is our family. That's where a lot of the brokenness starts. And even if you grew up in a great family, it was still broken because it was made up of broken people. Today I want to take take a few minutes and talk to you about the relationship you had or maybe have with your earthly father. One of the greatest issues of our day is what we might call a father wound. Some of us grew up with great dads. Some of us grew up with lousy dads. Some of us grew up with abusive dads. Some had no dad. Now let me throw a couple of disclaimers out today. One of them, I want to remind you that this message in this series... They're not designed to simply criticize our families or blame them for our brokenness. That's not the point of this. That's not why we're gathered. That's not why we're digging deep into this topic. But when we take the time to discover the origin of our issues, we do that so that we can stop the destructive cycles in our lives Lisa Lewis is a local counselor, and we're partnering with Lisa on this series. And, and this is a quote that I, I took from her this week. She says this, we repeat what we don't repair. We repeat what we don't repair. So again, we're not, we're not digging in and looking at our past and looking at our parents and our family of origin so we can, you know, get mad at somebody. But we do repeat what we don't Repair And after the message last week, I had so many people coming up to me and talking to me, sending messages this week, and and, and they talked about the pain in their lives and almost all of it had something to do with their dads. So we know that it's an issue. It's not only an issue in our church, but it's an issue close to the heart of God. Look at Malachi 4 and verse 6 with me. It says, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children... And the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Wow, that's some strong language. But this is God speaking, and He's so passionate about the relationship between fathers and children that when that relationship is broken, God considers it a curse. God desires to bring healing into families. And for our study today, I want to talk about three types of fathers. The abusive father, the apathetic father, and the absent father. Let's talk about the abusive father first. This abuse can come in many forms, and as painful as it is to talk about, we we need to. There are those among us, those in this room, those listening on radio or online today, Who have been abused by our dads. Physically, psychologically, even sexually. The men who should love us the most have instead abused us. It's just the reality of the world that we live in. A few weeks ago we were doing some staff training and we we read a story found in the Old Testament In 1 Samuel chapter 20, and as we read this story, I mean, it just, it stuck with me. I couldn't get past it, and I just want to share a few verses uh, with you today, but first I'll give you a little bit of backstory. The nation of Israel wanted a king. God had been their king, but all the other nations had an earthly king, and so they went to the Lord, and they went to their leaders, and they were complaining, we want a king, we want a king, and God came, and he warned them about politicians, come on somebody, (laughs) He warned them, he said, if you, "If you get a king, that king is going to take from you, going to take from you, he's going to tax you,' going to take your land, going to take your sons and daughters. You're going, I mean, they're going to be politicians are takers, that's what they are. God warned them, but they insisted, and pretty soon they ended up with a man named Saul as their earthly king. Saul was an extremely insecure man, and he often sinned because of his soul issue of insecurity. Now, don't judge him too harshly because our insecurities make us sin a lot too. You don't believe me? Youth sports is starting back up. The most insecure men in Garrett County are going to be on the sidelines yelling mean things at their kids because they missed a ball. Somebody say, move on, preacher. (laughs) Eventually... Saul, this insecure king, sinned so much that he disqualified himself from leadership. And God is going to replace him with a young man named David. And Saul knows it. Saul was so jealous of David that he wanted to kill him. And to make the story even more complex, Saul had a son named Jonathan who happened to be David's best friend. David began to tell Jonathan, hey, 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 Jonathan, your dad wants to kill me. And Jonathan would be like, no, David, no, you're, you're, no, you're reading this all wrong. My dad likes you. He even invited you to dinner. The reason he invited him to dinner, because he wanted to kill him. But soon enough, Saul's intentions are made plain, and Jonathan's attempt uh, to, to protect David backfires on him, and King Saul actually turns on his own son. Let's look at the scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 30. It says, Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, his son. And he said to him, listen listen to his words, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you've chosen the son of Jesse, that's David, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, at his own son, by which Jonathan knew it was determined by his father to kill David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger, and he ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved For his friend David, because his father had treated him shamefully. What a story. But in it, we see Jonathan's father again. The guy who should love him the most. But instead, he he criticizes his mother. says some awful things. He puts shame on Jonathan. He tells him he has no future. And then he physically attacks him. This is an abusive dad. And I would love to say that this is just a story that happened thousands of years ago in the Bible and nothing like this ever happens today, but it does happen. It happens a lot. Where broken men will often allow their brokenness to wound their wives and their children. Some listening today, you felt the pain of an abusive father and if that's you I'm so sorry I really am for the pain that you've been through but I will say you are one of the reasons that we're doing this series and we're talking about uncomfortable things in church because we believe that you can be healed by the power of God can somebody say amen Amen. Uh, we really believe that we've seen it over and over and over again Now most of us have never had to dodge spears at the dinner table like Jonathan did. But we have felt the sting of painful words that have flowed from the lips of the man who should love us the most. Words are powerful in every relationship, but in the instance of father and child, the words of dad are even more important. They carry a certain weight to them. They they hit a child, they land in, in just a different place than anyone else on the planet. And dads, we can either build up our kids and give them confidence to take on the world, or we can wound them deeply. Let's go to the New Testament, Colossians 3 and verse 21. This is the Amplified Bible. And what the Amplified does is it takes the original Hebrew or Greek words and it it, it amplifies them. It gives you the definition of the words because the Greek language is is, is much more involved and in depth than, than English is. And I want you to just pay close attention to every word of this verse. Colossians 3 and verse 21. It says, fathers, do not provoke or irritate. Or exasperates your children. Well, how, how would dad do that? And he explains, With demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference, Last week we talked about uh, how favoritism is destructive in a family. And, and if a parent just makes it plain that they've got a favorite child, it's, that's harmful for the child, and that's harmful for the rest of the kids. Don't do it. Now this says favoritism is harmful, but also indifference. We're, that's the, that apathetic father we're going to talk about in a minute. It says treat them tenderly with loving kindness... So that they'll not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. This is one verse. This is one verse in God's word. And just imagine if families strived to operate by that one verse. How much different would this world look? There's a lot of instruction here. But I want you to notice this instruction is given specifically to fathers. You see, God designed us and he knows that dads have the potential to break the spirit of their kids by the way that we speak to them. Now I want to throw another disclaimer out there and say this. Being a man is not toxic. Our world right now has demonized Masculinity. But masculinity is not toxic. It is part of God's beautiful design. But men, the Lord is telling us that with our masculinity comes a huge responsibility to use it wisely and to use our strength to love our kids and not wound them. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, man. Let's use our words to speak life and love and confidence and healing over our children. You see, some of us, we know what it's like to fear the words of our dad. Some of us know what it's like And how painful it is to to hear our dad call us names or call us failures or to speak death over our futures. Men of God in this house, men of God of Crossroads Church, let us never repeat those same patterns over our own kids. And if we have in the past, it's time to repent and it's time to change. Can you say amen this morning? Some of us have suffered at the words in the hands of abusive fathers, and I'm so sorry. We're praying for your healing, and, and we hope to help you on the path to, to recovery in this series. So there's abusive fathers. Let's, next, let's look at the apathetic father. This is a dad who's who's there. He's physically present, but he's emotionally disconnected from his kids. He's, he's just not involved. He's, he's not a good communicator of the things that really matter to a child. Many of us grew up with a dad like that. He was there. He slept in the same house. He was at the dinner table, but he was just he was in his own little world. And see, here's the problem. Kids come with lots of fill in the blanks. Lots of fill in the blanks. They have lots of questions about themselves, and they look to their fathers to fill in those blanks. And so they, they come with a, you know, my dad blank me. It, it's, you know, my dad, he either, you're going to fill it in with loves me, or the child will fill it in with he doesn't love me. You're going to have my dad either wants me or he doesn't want me my dad is either here's the blank he's proud of me or he's not proud of me and here's the problem if a father doesn't communicate with his kids the child will tend to fill in the blanks themselves and oftentimes they will fill in those blanks with bad information dads how many dads we got in the room raise your hand don't be afraid okay all right awesome Dads, we cannot assume that our kids know we love them. We cannot assume that they know that we are proud of them. They need us to tell them. They need to hear our voice. And and it needs to be words that fill in the blanks in their lives. They are looking for your acceptance, your affirmation, and your affection. One of the most incredible stories to me in the Bible happens in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus has just been baptized. And God the Father responds to his baptism by speaking from, with an audible voice from heaven. Now this is a big deal. There's only a few times in the whole Bible where there is an audible voice from heaven. And one of them happens, look here in Matthew 3 with me. And look at what God says in verse 16. It says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting or landing upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen, at at this point, Jesus was not a rock star preacher. He was not out there. He hadn't worked a bunch of miracles. I mean, he's just kind of getting started in this whole thing. So God is not affirming him based on his accomplishment. God is affirming him based on his relationship. And and if Jesus Christ in his humanity needs to hear the words from his Father that he loves him and he's well pleased with him, how much more do we need to hear it from ours? You may have grown up with that apathetic father, and maybe you never heard those words. You never heard, I love you. Maybe you never heard, I'm proud of you. I'm I'm so sorry. But I I would just say, if you're raising kids now, please don't repeat that pattern. And if you didn't grow up hearing it, it might be difficult for you to say it. Say that again. If you didn't grow up here and I love you, if you didn't grow up here and I'm proud of you, if you didn't have those words of affirmation, it might be difficult to say it because it wasn't modeled for you. But man, here's what I'm going to say to you today. Say it. Say it. I mean, we do lots of hard things in life, right? And we can do this. Our kids are worth it. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're proud of them. Hug them. Give them a kiss on the cheek. Tell them that you are well pleased with them. Fill in those blanks. If you don't fill them in, they'll fill them in themselves or the world will fill them in. God speaks from heaven and He says this, it's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, Pastor, I didn't grow up like that. I didn't either. I didn't either. I was 11 years old before my dad told me he loved me. I would talk to him. He didn't live with us. I would talk to him on the phone at night. And, you know, how's your day? How's your day? We'd talk briefly and we'd get ready to hang up. And I'd say, I, I love you. And you'd say, okay. didn't know how to fill in the blank men let's don't repeat these patterns you and I have been born again into a new family and even if we didn't have a great father we can be one it's time to change our family tree are you are, are you with me today I believe God is raising up an army of men who aren't afraid to come into the house of God and have a tear roll down your cheek and lift your hand in the air and passionately worship your God. And I believe that He's taking those same men and He's healing us from our father wounds in our past so that we can passionately love our wives and our children. You want to know how to change a culture and a society? Let the Spirit of God heal you of your past and let the men of God rise up and not be ashamed of what we've been through but also not be paralyzed by our past and let God fuel us by the power of His Holy Spirit and show this world what a true man and looks like. And those are men who love and serve our families. I love it when they give me a timer and don't start it. I got 25 minutes to go. Absent father. Let's talk about the absent father. This is a dad who's just not there. Now, this could be for many reasons. Death my, my brothers and sisters, there was four of us growing up in the house. <clears throat> I had a two-year-old brother, one-year-old sister, mom was pregnant with the, the, the third child and their dad was killed in a mining accident. They never knew him. They just never they never they never knew him. One in the womb never even met his father and, and some of you, that's been your experience. Your dad was just not. It's just not here. Some, it was from divorce or broken relationship. Some, it was by choice. Dad just left. He just chose not to be there, not to be a part of your life. Right now in America, the majority of kids born to women under 30, when I say the majority, so more than 50% of kids born to women under 30 will not have a father in the home. We are truly living in a fatherless generation. And just as an abusive father shapes his child with his presence, an absent father shapes his child with his absence. You talk about blanks that need filled in. When dad's not there, when he's not a part of your life, there are lots of blanks that get filled in. And I could tell you more statistics than you'd ever want to hear this morning But I'll just say this, the majority of men in prison grew up without a dad. Majority of homeless people grew up with no dad. Suicide, depression rates, poverty rates, mental illness, all those things go significantly higher in kids who grow up without a father in the home. Anger issues, addictions, gender dysphoria, we're seeing this huge explosion of that. I I believe they can all be results of not having a dad in the home. It often leads to an orphan spirit where you just always feel lonely. You always feel abandoned. You're always fearful. And I want to say this, another disclaimer. i got a lot of disclaimers in the message, but I know in our church we have lots of single parents, men and women. And we applaud you and we pray for you and we know that's not easy. And we know that many times that's not by your choice. So this message is not to condemn Anyone who's raising kids by yourself, you not you got enough on your shoulders. Yeah, we, we're not putting any more on your shoulders. We're, we're for you. We're not against you. But at the same time, God created kids to be raised by a mom and a dad. There are other issues that come because we don't have dads, these these absent dads. Many of us have never experienced the loving, key word is loving, correction of a father. So then we can't be corrected. When a boss or a coach tries to give us instruction, it crushes us. Because it feels like a personal attack against us. And instead of hearing, when someone's trying to bring you some some direction, instead of hearing, hey, there's something wrong with the, the way you do that, you know what we hear? There's something wrong with me. Because to us, instruction and correction, that does not equate to love. So kids quit the team, adults quit their job, people leave the church. Because they've never experienced The loving correction of a father. One of the most heartbreaking aspects of the absent father wound is that it can turn inward and impact the way you feel about yourself. Lisa says this, she says, if the father is critical or absent, watch this now. The child doesn't hate the father, the child hates himself. And I've sat across from a lot of women and men, heard about their life, and I can tell you, that's so true. They filled in a blank with wrong information, and they end up hating themselves. It's a lie, but it's become true to them. Let me tell you one more thing that a father wound will cause us to do is often we will project that onto God. And if you grew up with an angry dad, you may see God as angry. If your dad was impossible to please, you may see God that way. If your dad was distant or disconnected, you may struggle to feel the presence of God, to think he's even concerned about your life. Again, this series is not to just uncover wounds, but it's to help us find healing. And Some of us maybe have never given thought to these things we're talking about, but many of us think about them every day. And I just want to say this, it's okay to identify your wounds, it's not okay to get your identity from them. If I had time, we could say that a thousand times. It's okay to identify your wounds, but it's not okay to get your identity from them. So, so what are some of the ways that we find healing? Well, I believe renewing our minds is huge. Replacing lies with truth. I got a lie from my upbringing that I was not worth my dad's time. That wasn't true. It wasn't true. It might have been his choice not to spend time with me, but his choice is not my truth. You understand that? You you, you might have been abused, but your dad's choice to do that is not your truth that, that you are worthy of that abuse. you got to replace that lie with the truth of God's word, and you got to discover who your father God is. You are now in Christ. God is your father. Christ is in you. You are in him. He loves you. He accepts you. He's well pleased with Jesus. And since you are in Jesus, he is well pleased with you. You gotta understand if a dad communicated to you that you were worthless and you didn't have a future, you gotta get into the word of God that says, Hey, I have I have ordered your steps, son. I have ordered your steps, daughter, I have plans for you to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. You gotta take the truth of God's word and let it replace the lies that try to rule your life. And you know what else you gotta do? you got to forgive your dad you got to forgive him forgiveness is so misunderstood I might say well pastor he doesn't for- he, de- he doesn't deserve forgiveness but you do You do. And I want to I ask you this. What was your dad's life like? Did he did he know what the Bible said about raising kids? Did he ever have one parent in class? <laughs> Probably not. Was c- Godly f- Fatherhood was it modeled for him? Or was he just a guy, just a regular normal guy who was maybe trying to do his best with what he knew and what he had and maybe it wasn't a lot. But you gotta consider that. Where did he come from? I, I could tell you lots of stories about my own life, but as I got older and I heard some of the stories about my dad's life, A lot of things made sense. You know what also helped me a lot? Is coming to Jesus. One of the hallmarks of truly being born again is that you become so conscious of your own sin. In fact, I believe a lot of people in church aren't born again. Not just saying our church, but I'm saying the church collective because they, they don't they if you if you knew how sinful you were you couldn't hold people in bitterness and, and unforgiveness and resentment. But when I realize what a wretch this Dave Marsh was and is, come on, somebody, then who am I to hold my dad's sins against? Him. If God can forgive me and call me and use me and cleanse me, who am I to put myself on a higher throne than God Almighty and hold my dad to a higher account? The cross humbles us. And then we look back at our wounds and and we don't deny them. Listen. Listen. It's okay to grieve your loss, but you don't have to be controlled by it. You can even grieve your loss and grieve your father wound, but still honor your parents. Today, I honor my father. My father's been born again. I got to baptize my dad. My dad loves God. If it was your dad, you'd shout. As God heals you, church, we don't look back at our past and the origins of our wounds and get angry and bitter. We forgive. And it might hurt until the day you die. But you forgive. You need it. And they need it. And God throws this scary little disclaimer in Scripture. And he says, when you stand praying, if you don't forgive those who have sinned against you, neither will I forgive you your sins. Will you stand with us today? As I've mentioned several times, we're partnering with Lisa Lewis, who is a local counselor, and she's have some great, great insight into some of these wounds that we We suffer in our soul, and so each week we'll be releasing an article. Last week's article was awesome. I've gotten a preview of this week's about the father wounds in our lives, so make sure you watch our website and all of our social media channels for that because I believe that will be another step, another resource to help us kind of delve into the soul but then allow God to heal us.